Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Faye, and I sell Medicare plans. Today, I have a special, special guest with me. We are always saying that the phone is our friend. The phone has to be our friend in the business that we're in. Mm -hmm. This podcast, as you know, is where people who sell Medicare and people who sell final expense come to hear what's going on in our industry. Well, in this $33 trillion industry of insurance, I have with me today Wally Bressler, who has a very unique story that he's going to share with you, and Wally is going to tell us how not to give up on those phone calls. Wally, welcome. Hey, Faye, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here, and I appreciate you uh, inviting me to be your guest today. I am so happy that I found you, and I'm not quite sure how that happened, but I am so glad that we have connected together. Me too. Thank, thank you, you so thank much. You, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank so, you. Listen, start to tell us, tell, tell the audience about your story sure. and how you came to where you are now. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm going to start, um, not at the end, but I'm going to start far ahead and I'm going to work my way backwards. So we're going to kind of do a little Benjamin Button exercise there, right? So we're going to start <laughs> okay. older and work our way to younger. So, um, you know, in, in 2013, I, um, I ended up going to federal prison for about 366 days. I was doing real estate investing back in 2005 and 2006. And uh, my former business partner was submitting false loan applications. And he submitted about $15 million worth of false loan applications. And so, you know, um, you know, I, I was under the impression what we were doing was was right. And part of that is because if you remember back then, as long as you could fog a mirror, you could get a loan, you know, and I checked with him and he told me, and, you know, you know, here's the thing. There were things that I saw that I ignored and things that, you know, I, I thought weren't right, but I just kind of moved forward. You know what I'm saying? So even though I wasn't trying to steal money, you know, or anything like that, I was still involved with something where money was stolen. So I ended up spending a year in federal prison for one count of mail fraud. And, um, you know, I learned a lot. I'm a much better person now. Certainly when God wants your attention, he'll get it. And that's one way he can get it, right? So certainly you know, I'm a better father. Um, you know, I've been coaching real estate agents and other salespeople for the last 20 years. I'm a much better coach. I can give people better advice than I could give before, help them do better, you know, overall with their business. So I always like to start with that because I want to let people know that I accept responsibility for what happened and that um, the things that I've learned from going through that experience um, have helped me tremendously, tr tremendously, and it's helped me help other people tremendously as well. And it's kind of driven me to where I am today. Now, mm -hmm. I'm going to go back. Um, you know, I'm from New Hampshire. And, um, you know, New yeah. Englander. yeah, that's right. Yep. Patriots, Red Sox, Bruins, Celtics, sorry, everybody else, mm -hmm. you know. Yep. So I'm from New England. I grew up in New Hampshire. And, um, you know, part of how I got to where I am today, and this is part of how we're going to help people get over any sales call reluctance they have and, and concern about the phone is that I had a fairly tough childhood. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I had two parents, you know, and, and, you know, we had food in the house and stuff like that, but there were a lot of things that happened when I was a kid that unfortunately put me in a position where by the time I was 12, 13 years old, I had very low self-esteem. I did not like myself. Um, felt that I was pretty worthless, you know, and, uh, 
you know, and, you know, I've had addiction to, you know, how can I explain this? I was sexually abused when I was 10. I started looking at pornography when I was 11. I started engaging in sexual activity when I was 12. And uh, I've had anxiety since I was about six years old. And, uh, you know, over the period of my life, and I was bullied mercilessly. So, you know, at the age of 13, I didn't really have a good self-concept, didn't believe in myself, didn't have a strong self-worth, you know? And so um, as a result of that, I didn't believe in myself. And so I, I put on a, a really, really big um, facade for people thinking that I was this happy, outgoing guy, but I was literally dying on the inside, you know? And, um, and I'm sure that that had something to do with, you know, when you were an adult and mm-hmm. ended up in the uh, mail fraud yep. Uh, yep. scenario and, yep. Yep. because exactly. of, you know, how you really felt about yourself. Well, I am so happy that at this point mm-hmm. you've come through all of that and tell us, you know, where you are now. Super. And I just want to point something out. I'm not a victim. Okay. So I don't consider myself a victim. You know, there were some things that happened, you know, and I saw a great video um, by Will Smith this weekend. And he talks about uh, fault versus responsibility. And he's like, look, there are, there are things that are, are not our fault. There are things that happen to us that are not our fault. But when we find out what those things are, it's now our responsibility to fix them and make them better. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that it's called, it's really good video. It's like two minutes and 30 seconds. So anyway, how I got here today is that, you know, I, I after I got out, got out of college, you know, I, it was the second, it was 1990. It was the second worst year since World War II to get a job. And um, I was, you know, I didn't have a lot of confidence. And so I took a very, very steady job. And, you know, I was given opportunity to take sales jobs and I just couldn't do it. And so basically I suffered from call reluctance for about 10 years and, I was, you know, after 10 years of working in the mutual fund industry and talking to financial planners and things like that and studying and working and learning about personal development, I decided I wanted to go get a job in sales. In my first year in the real estate industry, I sold, pardon me, my first 14 months in the real estate industry, I sold 72 houses. Okay. Wow. And, and so I was like, oh, wow. No. So, well, how did you overcome your call yeah. reluctance? Perfect. Great, great question. So here's the deal. You know, you can imagine I've talked to lots of counselors and therapists and coaches over the last several years trying to, you know, overcome the addictions that I have. So here, here's what I've learned. So <clears throat> the first part of the process is is really about um, awareness, right? You can't fix a problem you're not aware of, correct? So right. You have to realize right? that you have a problem. Right. You know, and so people not wanting to get on the phone, people not wanting to call to get referrals, you know, people not wanting to recruit people to their business. People not wanting to get in front of the video camera to record videos. It, it, it all comes from the same place. And it's not fear of those things. It's fear of embarrassment or rejection or failure or lack of self-worth, lack of self-belief, right? And so <clears throat> what happens is, is when we're younger, you know, it's either we go through something traumatic or we start convincing ourselves of things and we create these hidden identities. And so for me, you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So I convinced myself that I was poor. You know, we, I, you know, we didn't have any brand name, anything. There were tons of kids at school that had Levi's and Nike sneakers and nice ski jackets and stuff like that. And I had brand name, nothing. I mean, I was even envious of their lunches. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They had all these nice snack cakes and all these great things. And I had like an apple sandwich, you know what I'm saying? And so. You didn't have tasty cakes. No, man, I love tasty cakes. I, you know, I'm not a small guy, but no. So, and here's the thing. And so what happened was, is I convinced myself I was poor. And so here's what happens. You know, either we create this identity, Right or we have a trauma, right? And one of the things happens, we turn into a puddle 
and we spend the rest of our life telling ourselves that we're no good, avoiding fear, avoiding confrontation, avoiding things that will make us sad or hurt our feelings. And so, and as a part of doing that, we, we kill our self-esteem or we lash out and we become like Frank Shamrock, who is a UFC fighter who basically said, you're never going to hurt me again and spent his life fighting and learning how to fight. Okay. But at the end of the day, we all have to come back to resolve that because it's going to be with us forever. So the first step is awareness. You've got to come back and say, Hey, what's this all about? So the first part is awareness. So if you don't remember what happened that caused you to be in a position where you're afraid of the phone, I'm going to give you a neat little trick. It works really simply. Okay. Your subconscious remembers everything you've ever tasted, ever seen, ever heard, ever touched, ever smelled, anything. Got to get a little white note card out and five by seven note card and just ask a very simple question. What is the source of my call reluctance? Question mark. That's it. Okay. And I just want you to sit with it. Keep it on your desk, read it, look at it. When you go to bed at night, make sure you sit with it a little bit and read it. And within 24 to 48 hours, something's going to pop up from your mind. And the first thing that comes up is usually the source of it. Okay. And then once you identify, ah. yep, it's, it, you know, and it, it works great. And then I, you know, I'm like, I did the research. And in fact, I Googled, can you talk to your subconscious? And sure enough, there's like 1.4 million articles on it. Right. Right. Cause, cause our subconscious job is basically to keep us on the straight and narrow, keep us safe, keep us healthy. But it also, it's, it's, it's also its job to make sense of everything that happens. And when it can't make sense of something, and it leaves it on the floor like a book and we keep tripping over it, like sales car reluctance and stuff like that, right? Make sense? Right, right. So it's going right. to remember. In fact, I just, talked, I just talked to somebody yesterday and I have a free course for your folks to take advantage of when we're done. I'd love to give them that so they can kind of work. Oh, with I'm sure we'll be happy to have so it. Yeah, and so I get a free course. That's so generous of you, Wally. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, so it's interesting. I, I reached out, somebody reached out to me the other day because I didn't believe you. I thought you were full of crap. And I didn't think there was anything that you could, that, that you were basically telling me the truth. And she said, but I did the exercise and within 24 hours, it popped to the front of my head. I'm like, okay, cool. So once you become aware, then you've got to basically kind of create a picture of it. And, you know, uh, Rick Carson wrote a book called Taming Your Gremlin. And basically what he does is, is his process is let's define it. Let's give it a name. Let's talk about the, the experience. Let's talk about the feelings and the emotions that are associated with that. And let's identify what it is so we can get our hands around it, right? And then we just have to learn how to sit with it and then eventually let it pass. And so if you have not meditated before, I'd recommend you go through the mindful movement on YouTube, the mindful movement. And you can learn how to essentially let thoughts that are painful or anything else go right through your brain and, and be, be at peace with them and look at them just as thoughts rather than barriers or limiting beliefs. So that's the first step is getting aware identifying it, knowing what it looks like, and then learning just to sit with the emotions without letting them, you know, crush you. If that makes any sense? It does. So mm -hmm. once you have this um, revelation yep. of what it is that the source of your, your reluctance, mm -hmm. which, which actually most people just simply call it fear, once you know what the source of that is, or mm -hmm. what causes it, what you're saying is now you need to sit with that. You, you've you got need to, to resonate with that. You've mm -hmm. got to, you got to face it really. Right? right. And then you've got to learn how to use your, the power of your, of your mind because our brains are so strong and powerful. You've got to use the power of your mind to learn how to let those, the, that those feelings and everything else come up and learn that they're just feelings and that they're not real. 
how to treat them as just memories and just things that happen, but not things that are real anymore. Okay. And so, and then once you do that, you can go ahead and, and, and start reprogramming your brain. And so the way we do that is through what we call the miracle morning exercise. It's from a guy named Hal Elrod. He wrote a book called the miracle morning. Yeah. So how's, how's a good buddy of mine. And, um, you know, we have to go ahead and start reprogramming our mind because we've been telling ourselves for years, decades, even that we're not worthy that, you know, that we're afraid that all those things that have been reinforcing what is now called sales call reluctance or call reluctance. We've been telling ourselves all these negative things. And so our brain has literally been tending it like a garden and growing fear, growing self-doubt, growing lack of belief. Right. And so what happens is we got to go ahead and chop all that down and grow new stuff. So by, you know, and he calls it savers, right? So you've, you've got a you've got a scribe, so you've got to write, yes. all right? And then the A is affirmations, the V is visualization, the E is exercise, right? The R is um, writing, and then the last S is silence. Okay, where you meditate. Ten minutes yes. on each of those, it's an hour a day. Have you? So you I read have the book? His book. Yep, it's amazing, isn't it? Yep, I have the book. Yeah, <laughs> it is amazing. Mm-hmm. So. And- just starting out with that in the morning uh, makes a really big difference. A lot of people start their day with meditation or scripture readings mm-hmm. or just silence. Be and that that was really important when I read the book for me because mm-hmm. there are certain things that I do in the morning, but that silence piece made me aware that you really have to just sit still and be silent. Mm-hmm. Let it all go. You know, don't, you're not talking, you're not listening to music or anything. Mm-hmm. You're silent and what your brain absorbs and what comes through from your subconscious really can surprise you. But really what came through for me, Wally, I don't know if you believe it or not, would be the breakthroughs for the things and the, you know, the ideas for the things that I should be doing. I agree 100%. Um, in 100%. my business and in my personal life. 100%, yeah. So, yes, I would agree. Now, yeah. if someone is actually having, because I've been through this, and I don't know if you have, but I can procrastinate. Same thing. I can know that I should be on the phone. And I know that these are the calls that I should make, but I can find a million and one different things to do mm-hmm. to avoid that. Uh, which part of this process helps with that? All of it. It's the same thing. Procrastination is just another another avoidance strategy. You know, it just it all comes from the same place where we've created a belief um, about something. And, and in most cases, it's related to our reluctance and any fear associated potentially um, associated with that. And, you know, it's like, it doesn't feel like fear for some people. Sometimes people just deny it. Some people say, oh, I've got all these other things I have to do. It doesn't always come up as fear, you know, but a lot of times it comes up as, you know, spinning head, upset stomach, panic, sweaty palms, you know? And so, but it always doesn't have to come up like that, but it's, it's what's going on in the background. Sometimes we just get a mental block and we go numb when it happens, you know? But procrastination is is in there, you know, like this whole process is about overcoming call reluctance, procrastination and self-sabotage because they're all tied together, you know, and one of the most important parts of that miracle morning exercise is the affirmations. 
we, you know, right, Zig Ziglar says it takes 11 positive inputs to overcome one negative input. So think about it. If we've been saying all these things to ourselves in the background and, and reinforcing fear and, and, and doubt and whatnot, we've got to start saying different things to ourselves, you know, and not just, right. med- not just affirmations in the morning, but also affirmations at night. Okay. And so mm-hmm. once you start doing that on a regular basis, there's two more things you have to do in the morning you have to figure out what drives you. Right. What is it that drives me? Right. And so, you know, Daniel Pink talks about intrinsic, intrinsic and extrinsic motivations. Right. A lot of times people are like all motivated by money. You know, I'm motivated by, by gain. You know, it's kind of a carrot and a stick thing. The problem is, is that if we're using carrots, if we're using money, cars, boats, houses as our motivation, we're, we're almost never going to get where we want to be. Because if you make the money, then sometimes there's nothing after it. Then what do you do? Or if you don't make the money, then you're disappointed and it works against you. It kills your motivation. Does that make sense? Right. Right. Yeah. So it's, external yeah. motivations are tough because they don't last and almost fail you. So the intrinsic motivations are mastery, autonomy, competency, right? If I master what it takes to be a successful, you know, Medicare sales rep, right? Med- I mean, pardon me, not Medicare, right? Medicare, right? So right. Medicare. Selling, setting, selling Medicare plans, right? If I master what it takes to do that, then I become autonomous and I can be as successful as I want. I can scale my business. So if I'm driven by mastery and autonomy rather than carrot and a stick, I mean, rather than a carrot or a stick, then I, I'm doing everything I need to be doing to fulfill my, my, my desire to be successful. And it's in my control and I feel good about it. The, the second thing is, is you got to figure out what your why is, right? So a lot of people are like, my why is my kids. My why is a car. My why is a house. My why is money in the bank, you know, it's vacations. And so those are all what? Okay. And hear me out. Like, hear me out. Cause this is important. Right. So, you know, Daniel Pink has created like a target. He says it's, it's, it's what, how, and why. Right. So the what, okay. So let's talk about kids, right? Our kids are, are a what we love them, but they're a what, how we're going to achieve our why is, you know, what are we going to do on a day over day basis that we can influence, that we can influence the outcome of that will let us do what we want for our kids. So, you know, the why would be, I want to put enough money to make so my kids never have to worry about money and their grandkids never have to worry about money. Or I want to generate enough money so I can send my kids to college so that they'll always have an opportunity to get a job. Or I want to be able to send my kids to college and I want them to learn how to become great adults. You know what I'm saying? Those are all whys, right? For, for a why, you know, you, number one, you have to be able to influence it, right? Number two, your why is usually born for pain. You know what I'm saying? So my why is to make sure that my kids feel protected and loved because I didn't really feel protected and loved as a child. My why is to make sure that my kids understand the value of money because I've probably blown about $4 million in my life because I've made a lot of money and in the need to fill that hole in my heart and in my stomach, I just, I spent it all, wasted it all, trying to make friends, trying to make people happy, you know? And so- so the formula for the why is pretty simple. I'm, it says it's real simple. If you want to write it out, somebody, you can go, I'm going to contribute X and a line so that I can impact Y. Okay. I'm going to contribute I'm going X. I'm going to so, contribute X so, I can impact so that y. I can impact Y. Right. And so what y. that means, yep. Right. So here's the thing. Your why you need to, it's usually born from something that was painful for you. And then it's something you need to be able to impact the outcome of. Okay. And once you get your head around that and you put all this together, once you realize what it is that's causing your sales, your call reluctance or whatever it is, and you 
take it head on and then learn how to just let the feelings that happen start to pass through and not giving it any credence or, 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 or power. And then you start retraining your brain to focus on the things that you want to tell yourself the things that you need to hear, you know, that switches pretty quickly. And then you're like, okay, you know, I w- what do I want to do here? I want to be, you know, do you guys have the millionaire round table in, in the Medicare sales world? Like they do in other no. parts of insurance? No. That's okay. So, yeah. So I did, I did, I, you know, I know life, I know insurance. I just don't know as much as you guys. Now, but... In the Medicare arena, um, most agents, particularly those that are just starting in the business, Mm-hmm. Their thought, their entire thought and focus is six figures. Okay. So it's like Same thing that's the magic, magic number. Mm-hmm. They want to get the six figure because, believe it or not, Wally, out of all these insurance agents that you see out here, the thousands and thousands and thousands, there are many who are millionaires. Mm-hmm. There are more millionaires in the financial world than any other industry. Believe that. But Of all the agents that are out here, most of the agents' average annual income does not exceed $50,000. So for an agent who has um, a desire to really take care of their why, once they know what it is and know what they want to do, they would want to to stick that six-figure income in their brain and that's what they're working for. So yeah. once you know, once you get to that six figure, that could be a hundred thousand or five hundred thousand, but you got six figures. So right. that's you know where they go. And then there are those few at the top who are at seven figures, but most agents when we don't think about million dollar round table, we talk yeah. about six figure incomes. Okay. So average the average real estate agent makes about forty seven five. So it's not unlike that. So, so the, my, my thought process is, is, you know, those first two steps we talk about, and then what do I need to master? How, what do I need to do to become autonomous to get to that six figure level? Right. And it's, 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 you know, basically I've got to, you know, most importantly, I'm going to learn how to make phone calls and set appointments right. and talk to people. Right. I also need to know how to generate leads. I need to, know how to make a presentation. Right. And then, you know, I need to, I need to know how to follow up with people on a consistent basis. And then obviously understand the product, right? So there's really five things to do. So if you can, I'm seeing me, if you can master those five things, the sooner you can master those five things, the sooner you can become autonomous, the sooner you get to that 100,000 bucks. Because if you're always chasing that 100 grand, 100 grand, 100 grand, and it's not happening, you can lose your motivation. It can crush you. But if your goal is, listen, I'm going to be lights out good on the phone. I'm going to be great when I sit in front of somebody at the kitchen table. I'm going to know how to follow up on a consistent basis. I'm going to know exactly what to say, when to say, and how to say it. And I've got a great follow-up program. And if I master that, then that hundred thousand dollars is is virtually guaranteed. Those right? are all of the steps that are required, definitely, mm-hmm. right? To to make it to where you really, really need to be, mm-hmm. and make it to where you want to be. Right. There there mm-hmm. are different niches within the insurance industry. Medicare mm-hmm. is one that obviously has grown over the past few years because the mm-hmm. number of Medicare beneficiaries continue to grow. And then the product, uh, the Medicare Advantage product, has grown and continues to grow as more and more people are choosing mm-hmm. that kind of uh, vehicle to get their benefits than original Medicare. Sure, sure. So things change within the industry, and as that happens, more and more agents are wanting to 
be the best that they can be. Mm-hmm. They understand their why. But I'm going to ask you as we wrap up the see the sales secrets, the phone sales secrets that you would leave with this audience. We we know that we have to be aware. We know that we have to find out what is causing the reluctance to be on the phone. Mm-hmm. And once we get that in our vision and in our mind and in our subconscious, mm-hmm. we can then move forward to be lights out on the phone. Mm-hmm. Would there be something that you want to leave with us as closing thoughts mm-hmm. of what we might do? So, a lot of people that suffer from sales car reluctance are not that great on the phone. What I've found is a lot of people are great face-to-face. They can do a presentation. They can get somebody to work with them, build rapport with them. Over the phone's an entirely different world. So once you've gotten to the point where you've been working on reprogramming your brain, you're solid with your why, you're solid with you know becoming a master of what you're doing and becoming autonomous, you really need to work on understanding how to sell over the phone, right? You need to, you know, like uh, Jordan Belfort, Wolf of Wall Street. He's like, look, three things, enthusiastic as hell, sharp as a tack, sound like a force to be reckoned with. So the way to do that is to internalize, not memorize, but internalize all of your scripts and dialogues. Because once you know what to say, when to say it, and how to say it, and you're not like thinking about what you're going to say next, and rather than that, you're listening to somebody and having a conversation with them, and, and you're able to actually you know, know what you're going to diagnose without even thinking about it. Once you can get to that level, that's when your sales start to take off, right? But the only way to get there is to get on the phone and trip over things and say the wrong thing and make mistakes and and role play. But once you get to the point when you get on the phone with somebody and you're asking them questions and they're telling you, you know, then you can solve their problem because you have all this in your head. Your sales career changes forever. So once you can get comfortable with making phone calls, the next step is to learn what to say, when to say it, how to say it, learn how to handle the objections, and and then, you know, understand the importance of being an active listener and, 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 and letting people talk and listening to comprehend versus listening to respond. And once you can do that, you know, your, your, your sales are hockey stick at that point because there's nothing then you, that can stop you. And then it's really, that's when you can scale and grow because then I know every 20 people, like every 10 people I talk to, I'm going to make three sales. Right. And so my goal is to talk to you know, a number of people a month so I can do that. And that, that's it. You know, so it's, it's working on those sales skills and, and, and internalizing, memorizing. You have to go back in your head and think about it. Internalizing. I could come wake Faye up at three o'clock in the morning and say, hey, Faye, when somebody says they're going to go ahead and choose somebody else to buy their Medicare program, what would you say to them? And Faye would be like, well, first of all, why'd you wake me up? But then she would say <laughs> whatever the answer is, because she wouldn't have to think about it. Does that make sense? So that's that really absolutely on point. That is absolutely on point. I, again, thank you so, so much. Right. Um, how is it best for us to give the audience your offer, your free offer? Yep. Your it's course? real simple. So if you go to phonesalessecrets.com, so just like that says there, phonesalessecrets.com, you're going um, to join my Facebook group, okay? And um, in there is the link to the free training right at the top and you just click on it and, and sign up for it. There's no cost. There's no obligation. And, um, you know, in the group, I, uh, I do lots of trainings every, every week. Um, I, I do like a little three at three every day at three o'clock to give some strategies on how to sell and be more effective over the phone. 
Um, we've got a mastermind coming up. Uh, my, my new podcast program starts next week. So I'm going to be interviewing experts like you, but people who are coaches and therapists and speakers and salespeople to pick their brains on what they did to become successful so that I can give people some, some blueprints and lessons on how to get better at what they're doing. So it's uh it's good. I don't spam you. I don't post a bunch of stuff. I'm not going to hit you up in messenger. Yeah, it's funny real quickly the other day, some guy, you know, joined my group and he came in and two minutes later, he's like, Hey, what do you do? How do you like what you do? I'm like, things are great. And then all of a sudden he's like, you know, a lot of my other clients are really busy and they don't have time to work out. Do you feel the same way? And I'm like, dude, you just met me and you're baby stepping me to try and close me. I'm like, that's like, that's not, I mean, I, you know, did you see what I do? Did you like, did you go look at what group you joined? He's like, I know, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. So I, I don't do that. I will never hit you up on messenger other than having my no, sister, I, other than having my sister I, reach out and say, you know, what can we do for you? That's it. Uh, I sell Medicare plans as a private Facebook group too. And you're more than welcome to join the group, but I, will. I have not tried to grow the group um, to large, large numbers because of that, because I don't really have the time to police, you know, people trying to recruit and spam others within the group. The group is there. And one of the questions that's asked when you join the group is, are you willing to help others? Mm-hmm. So are you willing to share what you know, even if you feel it's not that very, you're not very much, mm-hmm. you don't have to be the expert in everything. I don't know everything. I don't profess that I know everything. Mm-hmm. I know a lot, but I do not know everything. And I'm always learning. So I can learn even from people mm-hmm. within the group. Can I make one more offer? Sure. Um, I would love to come and do a, uh, a live training with the people in that group to help them with, you know, handling objections and understanding the flow of a good phone call. And, uh, you know, what, a, you know, just some of the, uh, the non, the non tactile things like tone of voice and pace and volume and, you know, how to be resilient on the phone and asking good questions and just stuff that, you know, you need to be able to be good at if you're going to be good on the phone. And I would love to come in and do a free training for you, like a live or something like that. I would take that as an offer wally and mm-hmm. i'm definitely going to take you up on it okay. uh, we will now stay in touch because we're connected thank you so that this definitely and then i'm thinking um there may be some other groups mm-hmm. uh some other podcasts sure. where your information will be really really helpful mm-hmm. so thank you so so very much you're welcome for coming thank on you. Thank for you. being my guest thank you. and i will also post um uh, in the um the information about the podcast the offer and the website to go to get it yes so ma'am. thank you again thank you yes. so much thank you and i really appreciate you reaching out to me faye thank you oh you are welcome